This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by the Focus Leader Masterclass, an online course to help focus your leadership and deliver greater results. Find out more at lead2.win slash masterclass. Hey, I'm Michael Hyatt, and this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And I'm joined today by our host, Larry Wilson. And we're missing somebody, Larry. Yeah, Megan's not here. What's up with that? So Megan is on maternity leave. That's pretty exciting. So she just adopted a brand new baby girl, Naomi Louise. Amazing. My ninth grandchild. Wow. Wow. Super excited about this. We fortunately recorded in anticipation of this a bunch of episodes, but a few we didn't quite get done because this happened pretty unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. So we've got a few that we're going to do without her, and we just decided the show must go on. Yeah. In fact, like most babies, uh, Naomi showed up at the least opportune time because she came like three days before we were going to record the last couple episodes to cover maternity leave. Right. (laughs) And, And Naomi showed up early, but hey... We're going to roll with it. Absolutely. I I mean, I see it as an opportunity because now we can say all the things uncensured by Megan. Yeah. And who knows where this is going to go? Yeah. It's just guys here today, just Michael and me and Nick, our producer. So, hey. Michael's got a beard. And Michael's got a beard. (laughs) And I got a new beard. I just got back from vacation and the team that was here. Now, they might have just been kissing up, but they said, don't cut the beard. Leave it. It's a good look on you. So, I don't know. I'm not convinced yet, but I'm going to give it a try. Okay, so today we're going to solve a problem everybody faces at some point in their career. I faced it. Larry, you probably faced it. Nick, you probably faced it. But what to do when the job you have is not the one you want. Well, yeah, that has happened once or twice to me. I think it happens to just about everybody at some point in their career. Sometimes, and I've, I've known a number of people like this, they start out in one career and actually find out they don't like it, which is kind of sad after you spent all that money on law school or, or... I know. Seriously, I've known people like that who just abandoned a law career because they want to do something different. And I'm sure many other vocations as well. Or sometimes, this happened to me one time, the job that you have changes. Yes. So I worked at a publishing house at one point and I was an editor and editing manuscripts, acquiring books. And I really loved working with the authors and working with the books. And then as we grew, I was managing editors. So I was spending less time with the words and more time with the people who work with the words. So my job changed. I had almost the exact same experience in the publishing industry where I got into it. Well, I I came in through the sales door and then I got into marketing and then I got into editorial, which I really loved because it gave me the opportunity to be kind of a literary midwife and, and help people give birth to their ideas. And I so enjoyed that. But as I progressed in my career, like you, I ended up managing editors. And eventually, when I became the CEO of the publishing company, then I was even managing the editors anymore. You know, mm-hmm. we, we could have been making widgets because my job, you know, 75% of it was financial management. Yeah. And, you know, I woke up not too far into it, realizing that I was actually pretty good at that, but I didn't enjoy it. You know, it didn't get me out of bed in the morning. It didn't get me excited. It did initially because I, I, I like new things. So initially just the, the challenge of it, you know, learning something new. But then after I got into it, I thought, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people that could do this. And this is not something I really enjoy. So then I was at a fork in the road. You know, what am I going to do? Am I going to continue in this and continue to be a CEO doing what I don't enjoy? Or am I going to 
launch out and do something else? Well, this is exactly what we want to help people with today, because if you're in a job and you wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I think I'm in the wrong spot, you really have three options, and we want to walk people through that today. And I, I hope some people are going to find some clarity today. Uh, you got to make a move. I do too. And I, you know, as we were thinking about this, I thought there's probably a disclaimer that we should offer. And that is, I think that sometimes you have to kind of persevere in a job maybe that you don't like to see if you develop the aptitude for it or it becomes an acquired taste. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah. like there's things at the beginning, and, and we talk about this when we talk about the Freedom Compass, which is part of uh, the free to focus content uh, in my book, but where we talk about the development zone. And sometimes there's stuff where you're not yet competent, you don't yet have the passion for it. Mm -hmm. And I would say that probably today, 70% of the stuff I do is an acquired taste. I didn't enjoy it initially, and I definitely wasn't good at it initially. But as I persevered and stayed with it, I sensed it was going to be important. And now I love it. So we're not going to tell people to just quit your job. Right. But we want to help people walk through this process of determining what could I do if the job I have is not the one I love. Yeah. And I should mention, too, um, I was able to talk recently with Ken Coleman, who is the author of The Proximity Principle, The Proven Strategy That Will Lead to the Career You Love. And he's got a lot of insight to share. And that's coming up later in the show. I'm super excited about that. Ken is one of my favorite podcast host. He's got a great podcast that he does for Ramsey Solutions. And it's the Ken Coleman Show is, I think, the name of it. But uh, if you guys haven't checked that out, you should. And you will definitely want to after you hear Ken here in a little bit. So option number one, if the job you have is not the one you love, reshape your current role. Reshape your role. Uh, how do we do that? Well, let me go back to the concept of the Freedom Compass. We've talked about that on the show before. If you guys want to read more about it, uh, I talk about this in chapter two of my new book, Free to Focus. But the Freedom Compass is an idea that at the intersection of your passion and your proficiency, in other words, stuff you love and stuff you're good at, is something we call the desire zone. That's true north on the Freedom Compass. That's where you want to move towards spending the bulk of your time, because there, there's a sense in which, and this is just my worldview, that God has wired us up such that the things that we really love, the things that are give us the most satisfaction, are the things that that He's created us to fulfill. It's our our calling. We find our calling in that situation. The opposite of true north on the Freedom Compass is where there's no passion and no proficiency. We call that the drudgery zone. So. Part of the key to figuring out what your calling is or what you were made to do is to figure out where true north is. So to figure out what am I passionate about and what am I proficient at, and that usually takes some time, which is why I advise people that are entering into college or just getting out of college, you know, don't just let that degree that you have determine what you're going to do, but be willing to be experimental. I mean, for me, life is just one giant experiment. You know, I try things kind of in beta, and if it survives, and if I survive, then I'll continue with it. But not everything I try works, and a whole lot of jobs that I tried early on in my career didn't work. Like I got into things that I thought I would love, but after I got into it, I went, this really wasn't the dream that I had. Job satisfaction tends to be a little higher with people who are over 50. Uh-huh. 
So it's more acute in people in their 20s, 30s, moving into mid-career. So maybe part of that is just a natural sorting out of what I really want to do, what I really can do, what I really love to do. Yeah, definitely. And I think that when we find ourselves dissatisfied, particularly when we're, when we're at a younger age, I think we need to identify the things that we can learn in that job regardless. I mean, I think for somebody that's growing in self-awareness, for somebody that's teachable and humble, there's stuff you can learn. I mean, we talked about it on the show before. You can learn stuff from a bad boss. You can learn stuff in a bad culture. You know, it doesn't have to be a total waste. A lot of it's how we process it and, and how we interpret it. You know, there's what happens to us, and then there's what we interpret or the, the narrative that we lay on top of that. So you want to talk about reshaping your role. You can reshape your role pretty easily because you own the company. Right. <laughs> right. So what about uh, some people who are mid-level or entry-level? They're hired with a pretty firm job description. How are they going to go about reshaping the work they do? Well, I think it begins with an honest self-assessment. You know, to just say, are there certain aspects of this job that I like better than other aspects? Or is there anything in this in this job that's, you know, could be redeemed or that I'd like to get more of? And then what can I do with the parts of it that I don't like? And this is also goes back to free to focus because we can eliminate, we can automate, or we can delegate. So not everybody's going to have that full range of options, particularly early in your career. But there may be aspects of your job that frankly just don't need to be done. Now, you may have to sell your boss or sell your board, but I think that sort of that sales experience or the ability to convince somebody or to influence somebody mm -hmm. that it's not in their best interest for me to persist in these things that I've determined because I'm closer to the work aren't really advancing the cause or delivering the results that all of us are expecting. So sometimes it takes identifying those and then proposing an alternative to the boss. Some of those things maybe could be automated. And certainly some of those things could be delegated, particularly if you've got um, a team reporting to you or if you've got an assistant reporting to you. Well, option one, if you don't love the job you're in, reshape your current role. Option two is reposition yourself within your current company. Key to doing any kind of lateral move is to be able to apply your existing experience to a future role. And most people can't see how your experience applies to what they do. Right. And you really have to sell them on it. You do. And I tell you, the first and most important person to sell is yourself. Because most of us are highly critical. You know, it's easy for us to see all the holes. We feel insecurity. You know, we, we think, oh, I don't have the experience. I don't have the degree. I don't have the training. But honestly, if you're a good thinker, if you're creative, if you've got any kind of experience, any of that can serve you in the job you're trying to do. You just got to learn to look at the advantages. You know, and I, I face this a lot of times when I'm coaching somebody and, you know, maybe they'd like to start a new business. And they say, well, I'm too old. You know, or I'd like to go for that promotion, but I'm too old. And I mean, they talk themselves out of it before they've ever stopped to consider how that could be a strategic advantage, right? Yeah. So the fact that you're older probably means you have more experience. You've made a lot of mistakes. You have some, and by the way, that's the prerequisite for wisdom. You got to make a lot of mistakes and you've got some wisdom. You're going to be more mature. You're going to be less likely to react emotionally. I mean, those are just some of the things that if I were older, I would say these are, these are assets to me and what I could use in selling a prospective employer or even making a lateral move within a company. 
Conversely, I see it with younger people who say, well, I don't have the experience. Nobody's going to give me a chance. You know, what do I know? I'm fresh out of college. Well, you know, you, you got to work with what you've got. You know, you've got the energy and the enthusiasm of, of youth. You know you don't know everything. You're willing to learn. You're open and teachable. So you got to work with what you got. I think an element here, too, is a little bit of humility. Yes. To say, the path I started out on maybe isn't the best one. And there's a sense in which people get hooked into the career path, in mm -hmm. air quotes, that I started out writing ad copy or in sales, so my career's in marketing. And that's kind of what you could have said at mm -hmm. that point in your career, but you said, no, I really want to make a shift here. And I think that recognition is vital. It's not saying I made a mistake, it was a terrible mistake, but you know, I've started on this in this direction and that served me well, but now a change of course is really going to serve me better, even if it's not what other people think is normal. It's interesting you say that. I used yeah. to be a music teacher before I was a podcast um, guru, guru, sir, editor, whatever. And I used to be so involved online in teaching music. I have a master's degree in how to teach music. And then when I left teaching, I didn't change my Twitter handle. It still said Jaworski Music or whatever. And then one day someone said, well, Nick, you don't do that. It doesn't make it. You don't do that. And I was so sad, like just to identify myself as no longer teaching music, even though I hadn't for like three years. Uh, there's like an emotional hold that we have on this thing that we spend, you know, I'd been playing music and getting ready for that for decades. And it's just moving past that was maybe the hardest part because I was like, well, maybe one day I'll teach. Maybe I'm still this. So there's definitely something about just identifying yourself as no longer the other thing. Right. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. I, I, you're raising a really important point. We got to be really careful not to confuse our identity with our role. Mm. Because our role can be transient. You know, we change roles. And I may have told the story before, but my predecessor, Thomas Nelson, who had been the CEO for 50 years, and you could understand if you were in a role for 50 years, how that would be confused with your identity, just to yeah. yourself. And so the day after I became the new CEO, he went to our CFO and he said, well, if I'm not the CEO, who am I? And it was really a fundamental, it was like an existential crisis. And it was a question about, well, if I'm not the CEO, if I'm not in that role anymore, do I even have an identity? And I would say that this, this is a uh, oftentimes a big problem for people that are older that have been in a role for a long time and why retirement doesn't always go so well. And one of the things I've tried to do in my career, I've not always done it perfectly, but is to not get too attached to my role. Right. And in my case, I've changed roles. I've tended to change roles back when I was in the corporate world every couple of years. And even since then, I've reinvented myself a couple of different times. I mean, even in this role at Michael Hyatt and Company, I mean, I was the platform guy initially, right? Mm -hmm. And then I was kind of the goal achievement guy. Mm -hmm. And then the productivity guy. Well, the truth is, those are all aspects of who I am, but my role is not my identity. I'm all that and more. And so is everybody listening to this. Well, that thought about role versus identity, that's really huge for someone, especially like me, who used to be in pastoral ministry, moved into it and out of it and then back into it, then back out of it. <laughs> that's a hard thing to sort out. Because uh, I, I wanted to be a writer, I loved publishing, but I, I entered the ministry because I loved the church and wanted to serve. And when I got a chance to move in one direction, I did that, then a publishing job opened up and I was all over it. Yeah. First of all, we have a lot of pastors that listen to this show because it's about leadership and they're all in leadership. But I see this a lot in pastors who feel trapped 
Mm. And as we were talking about a moment ago, uh, before we started recording, a lot of them can't imagine how their skills would be transferable outside of the ministry. Yeah. And and you're certainly a living testimony to the fact that they are, but I know probably hundreds of pastors who, if they want to make a change, they've got the chops to be able to do that. I mean, you think about what it takes to be in pastoral ministry. That's a wide range of skills, people skills that are definitely transferable. If you can convince someone to give up their Sunday morning <laughs> to staff the nursery... Man, you can do anything. You could do anything. That's <laughs> you like, really can. That's a super skill. Pastors are the, the adept at sales and operations management, uh, personnel management, so many aspects of business life that are transferable. Hey, everyone. Mike Boyer here. Did you know that listener reviews on iTunes are one of the main ways new listeners find Lead to Win? That means your review could go a long way to helping other busy leaders benefit from this great content. So would you take just two minutes to leave an iTunes review right now? That will really help boost the visibility of this podcast, and we'll be very grateful. Also, remember to check out the show notes for today's episode at lead2.win. You'll find all the links mentioned today, plus a couple of bonus resources and a complete transcript of today's show. That's at lead2.win. And now, back to the show. So far, we've talked about two options when you realize the job you have is not the one you want. One is to reshape your current role. A second is to reposition yourself within your current business. Now, the third option is to re-career. And recently, I was able to sit down with Ken Coleman, host of The Ken Coleman Show, The Entre Leadership Podcast, and also an author who's written the new book, The Proximity Principle, The Proven Strategy That Will Lead to the Career You Love. So let's listen to his advice on the option of finding a new career. Ken Coleman, welcome to the Lead to Win podcast. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. We're talking today about the three options you have when the job you have is not the one you love. You can reshape your current role. You can reposition yourself within the company. And what we want to talk with you about is option three, which is to re-career. So my first question for you is, how do I know when it's time to pull the plug on my career and do something completely different? Well, there's going to be a couple key indicators that are very clear or should be clear if you truly listen to them. One is I'm not moving up here. It's It's been a while since I've even moved up the ladder. And if you have then mentioned that to your leader, hey, I have a desire to grow here. I want more responsibility. What can I do to grow? How can I make myself more valuable? If that has been voiced, and I hear that from a lot of callers on the Ken Coleman Show, and there's been no response, that's your first indicator, that leadership doesn't see you as somebody that they want to develop more and then ultimately promote. So that's the first sign. The other clear sign is, is that there's just no connection to the work. You're either bored right? Or you've never had a connection to the work and it's just taken so long for you to realize that this is just a paycheck and I'm kind of tired of coming in week after week, month after month, year after year, and essentially moving this pile of rocks from one spot to another. And that's the lack of meaning that we all uh, will shrivel up and die if we don't address it. So those would be two clear indicators. It's time to be looking to re-career, as you say. You know, a lot of people are probably in that position right now, listeners to this podcast. And one of the things I think happens to people is that it's kind of a disempowering feeling. You, sure. you feel stuck. I've been in this role for a long time. I've, I've got an education 
behind this career and I really don't know what to do. How do you get beyond that first hurdle, which is, I, I just don't think there's anything else I can do. Yeah. Well, I love that you bring this up because this is where fear and doubt come in. And fear and doubt are these ugly cousins, and they can paralyze us because the fear that, well, I'm going to fail on some level, or people are going to think I'm crazy for switching careers at this stage of my life, uh, fear of just being rejected. So these are three big fears. And then doubt that it's too late, doubt that you don't have what it takes. So those are what we see from most people. And so in order to overcome those voices that are completely false, you've got to begin to use this proximity principle, this idea of putting yourself around people who are doing what you want to do. Give an example. I had a guy call my show several months ago uh, who had been uh, in accounting, had been a certified public accountant, but had longed to be in technology. He loved technology, but he, that was the major that he got into in accounting. It was kind of the safe path that his mom and dad recommended. His dad was an accountant. So we've seen this play itself out over and over. Called my show and he said, uh, how do I make the move? I'm 48 years old mm. and I'm terrified, much like I just laid out. And I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to identify in your local town uh, people that are in similar roles to what you think you'd like to do in technology, because he had already mapped it out. I'd love to be in this type of a role in technology, this uh, specific sector of technology. And I said, use this idea of the proximity principle, well before we wrote the book, to get around people that are doing that and just have lunch and coffee. Ask them. What do they think is the best path for a 48-year-old guy who has your experience to be able to cross over? So what do you need to learn? What do you need to do? This is qualifications. And then how much is that going to cost? And then based on your financial reality, how long is that going to take? These are three basic questions that if you get the answers to those three I just laid out by getting in proximity to people that are doing what you want to do and in places where what you want to do is happening, then all of a sudden it's not so scary. The plan reveals itself. Those answers create a plan. So he did what I asked. Uh, he happened to know uh, a neighbor not very well, but he's about four or five houses down on his street. He owned a small business, which was a technology company, had about 50, 60 employees. Went to lunch with this guy, did not ask him for a job, just said, I want to make the move into technology and I'd love your insight. And basically asked him a lot of questions, went to school on this guy and had a wonderful time. They said their goodbyes about six, eight weeks later, he gets an email from this guy who said, Hey, I just approved a new hire today. And I think you'd be a great fit for it. And he said, if you're interested, apply for it. So he did. And he got the job. The guy called back and told me that story on the air. So that's one of the best examples of how you can switch careers, midlife, late in life, by using the proximity principle, it's not so scary when we actually make one-to-one -one connections uh, with people and places. See, the right people plus the right places is always going to yield opportunity. You know, a lot of people are, are thinking probably, because I've had these thoughts different times in my life, I've got the wrong resume for the work I want to do. Uh, all my education is on this side, my experience is on this side, but I know that I have an aptitude over here. I know that I have passion over here. I know I can do the work. How do you make that case to people? Yeah, you just revealed it. A resume is worthless without a relationship anyway. Mm. So just for a moment, let's just say that you have all of the qualifications on the resume. Let's take your scenario and flip it. Your resume is chock full of all the right things. But if you don't have relationships 
to open up doors for interviews and really not even the interview. It's just set it up beforehand. You've got to interview this guy. Uh, I know at Ramsey Solutions, we now have nearly 900 team members. It's almost impossible to get hired there if you don't know somebody in the building because we, we value personal relationships and knowledge. Is this person a good culture fit? Does this person have the skill set to do the, the job? So if that's true, and I think everybody listening is going, well, that makes a lot of sense. That's why a resume is worthless without a relationship. So now let's flip it back to your scenario. Mm-hmm. doesn't really matter because if you have the aptitude to your point and you have the desire to learn even more things, companies in today's world in 2019, they want good people and they'll train them. We're seeing more and more. I'm talking Fortune 100 companies that are now lowering the requirements to get hired. It doesn't even require a college degree anymore. So as you said, don't let the experience factor on your resume hold you up because experience really doesn't matter if somebody that you know knows somebody in that company or you know somebody directly in that company and they go, hey, I can vouch for this man or woman. They are somebody that we need to get in here. So don't be hung up on experience and resumes. Focus on relationships. That's how you get jobs. Well, you you talk about the proximity principle. I know you say you got to get around the people who are doing what you want to do. You got to get in the places where that's being done. You also talk about the practices. Yes. Can you say more about that? Yeah, the practice section of the book is really, really practical. So what do I do when I'm around the right people and in the right places? How do I maximize these opportunities? You know, the idea of getting around the right people in the right places, that's noble, and that's the first step. But if you're a wallflower and you don't actually connect, you don't actually observe, you don't actually act the right way by showing some humility and some hunger uh, and and gratefulness to be there, uh, then you're not going to get noticed and you won't get more opportunities. One of the things we talked about, uh, we talk about in the book that I think is most valuable is this idea of the proximity mindset that I think is the most valuable practice. And that is the idea of I'm going to always have my antenna up no matter what level in my career, whether I'm a starter, a switcher, or I'm an advancer, I'm, I'm killing it. I still want to keep moving up. I've got to have this idea, this antenna up, always scanning for the right people who can teach me something, uh, the right people who allow me to do something, and then the right people that I need to be connecting with because they bring their own wonderful network that if I show value to them uh, and, and, and they will open up opportunities for me. So we talk about the proximity mindset being simply this, know your role, accept your role, maximize your role. Now, this is super valuable for anybody that's still climbing the ladder. It's not just something for 23-year-olds. This is good for the 33, the 43, if you're still climbing that ladder. Here's what those three things are. Knowing your role is about clarity. You have to be absolutely clear on what a win looks like. And this allows us to win in the now so that we get the next. The second thing is to accept your role. This is an attitude issue. You know, I struggle with this even now at 44. You know, I want all the things that come with the next. And I'm, I'm living the dream. Great opportunity from Dave Ramsey. Unbelievable platform and opportunity to do what I love. But if I don't win in the now, if I don't focus on being grateful for what I have now, not thinking about what I want 15, 20 years from now, yeah. then that's going to become a real problem. And so that's an attitude issue. And then finally maximize the role. This is an effort issue. This is about going above and beyond. This is about looking for opportunities to add value to your team members, to your leader, going above and beyond that clarity, that first factor. And if you know your role, accept your role, 
and maximize your role, let me tell you something, you won't have any issue with opportunity to climb the ladder. People will seek you out because those three things done together are absolutely the formula for advancing. Ken, any final thoughts for our listeners, some of whom I'm sure are thinking, is this the day or is this the week I make the leap and make my move to re-career? What's your final advice for them? Yeah, don't make a leap. How about a first step? How about another step after that? That's why I wrote the book, because there is tremendous amount of fear and doubt associated with moving towards what you know in your heart you want to do or making a switch when you have not made that your primary path. And now you realize, is it too late? It's not. Here's what I want people to hear. This book was written for you because this is a step-by-step, just one step at a time. It's as simple as deciding today to go sit down, like the guy I talked about earlier, with somebody in the field you want to get in. Just go have coffee. There's no pressure. We're not quitting our job. There's no leap. It's not, Geronimo, I hope it's soft when I land. That's crazy talk. No wonder you're scared to death. Proximity is the proven plan because you get out there and you begin to talk. And as I begin to talk and connect, I begin to learn what I need to know. I begin to get the opportunities to do it. And I get more opportunities to connect. And before you know it, opportunity comes your way. Here's what I'm proud of. This is not my idea. I just called it the proximity principle. This is the secret to success for a millennium. And and the reality is, is that opportunity will find you. You won't have to be searching under rocks and aimlessly wandering. It will find you because you've put yourself around the right people and the right places. So don't be afraid. This, these are gentle, easy, and actually really smart steps. Ken's book, again, is The Proximity Principle, The Proven Strategy That Will Lead to the Career You Love. And we have a link in the show notes to today's episode at lead2.win to the book. You can also learn a little bit more about Ken's podcast, The Ken Coleman Show, and the Entre Leadership Podcast. Ken Coleman, thank you so much for being with us today on Lead to Win. I'm thrilled and honored. Thank you. So the three options when you realize the job you have is not the one you love are to reshape your role or reposition yourself within the company, or to re-career. Michael, you've been through probably every single one of these stages in your life. I have. What do you hope that our listeners are going to take away today? Well, I think the fact that they have options. There is no reason to stay stuck in a career that you hate. You know, work's too important, life's too important to get up every morning and dread going into work. Or on Sunday night, there's so many people that are listening to this that are dreading the beginning of the work week and they're living for Friday. That doesn't have to be your reality. You know, we're committed to people winning at work and succeeding at life. And winning at work, there's got to be a psychological win. There's got to be an emotional win. It's got to be deeply satisfying. It doesn't mean that, you know, every day is like that. I have my bad days, you have your bad days. But in general, you know, the trajectory of my career, the trajectory of my work is up and to the right. And I love it. And I think every person ought to uh, aspire to that. And I hope these options will lead them to it. Well, we should thank Ken Coleman for being our guest on today's podcast. So thank you, Ken. And Michael, thank you for sharing these insights today. Thank you, Larry. And thanks for joining us on Lead to Win. And join us next week when we'll show you how to create a company people are begging to join. Until then, Lead to Win. Thank you.
think that'd be kind of disingenuous. Like I'm sitting here listening, but not saying anything yeah. as if. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> the first time for everything. <laughs> this episode of Lead to Win has been brought to you by the Focus Leader Masterclass, an online course to help focus your leadership and deliver greater results. Find out more at lead2.win slash masterclass.